up, guys? This is Matt from the Human Animal Podcast. I am here with my good friends, Nate and Jake, and a very special guest today, Mr. Rod Root. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. Coach extraordinaire at Force Fitness and Performance. He's going to be on today to talk about uh, training our youth athletes, and uh, that's just a huge topic we're going we're gonna to cover. I also want to apologize to everyone because I just effed up the uh, – the holiday uh, holiday survival guide Thanksgiving fest podcast and I think it's gonna be lost to the interwebs so I'm sorry guys those are tears dropping fail, from my fail face. face um but wow no one picked it up for me there okay so <laughs> <laughs> so uh Rod why don't we start off um we have a lot we want to cover why don't you just tell us a little bit about your background and kind of how you got involved in fitness because I know this is one thing that I value a lot about all the coaches at Force is that we all have a different background that got us into this. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Really excited to be here. Um, so how I got started, it's kind of an interesting story. Um, you know, I just uh, set the background. I work with the athletes at Force Fitness and Performance. I'm our head performance coach. I'm certified through uh, functional movement screens and the functional movement system, sorry, in the uh, IYCA, which is the International Youth Conditioning Association. So... I got. I kind of took a backdoor uh, entry into the uh, into the sports performance world. I was not an outstanding athlete in high school. You know, I was kind of. Uh, I played a little bit of everything: basketball, football. I uh, played a little baseball when I was younger. wasn't really a big fan, but um, I was always passionate about sports, and I always wanted to work with athletes. And you know, that's just something I love: helping athletes get better and you know have a longer, more successful career. And it's just kind of all falling together. And, you know, along the way, working with all of you guys at the gym, we've uh, picked up different, you know, tricks and tips of the trade that's kind of uh, really benefited the athlete. And it's allowed me to, you know, branch out. And I work with teams now. Um, we had a state championship girls basketball team recently that, that I've been training for a couple of years now. So that's pretty cool. Um, so it's a pretty broad spectrum of athletes. We work with pro guys. We've got a few pro basketball players, a pro baseball guy, all the way down to the youngest kids who are, you know, uh, coming up in the uh, youth leagues, eight, nine, ten years old. So, so it's kind of all across the board. I've had a pretty big sample size of athletes to, to learn from, and to hopefully I can share with you guys today and, uh, you know, hopefully really help out some parents and coaches who are looking to get their kids better and, you know, trying to, you know, shine a light on the path for them. Yeah, I know for me um, – both you and I are kind of in a similar boat right now. If you guys don't know, uh, Rod is about to be a dad. Yes, any day. Any day now. And uh, I'm, I'm about six months out, five and a half months out from being a dad myself. And so this is something that's on the forefront of my mind is, you know, when my kid does get involved with sports, how do I make sure that, that they are doing the best things for their, for their bodies and their minds um, and that I put them in a position to succeed, right? And Absolutely. I know that's that's – Everyone, every parent's dream is to have their kids succeed in whatever they choose to do. So I think it'll be an awesome topic to kind of cover today. Um, the first thing maybe we can talk about is, you know, when is training okay for young athletes? When can they start training? Well, I mean, that's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty broad question because it all depends on what the, what the parent or the coach defines as training. You know, to me, training is, is some kind of practice or stress that's going to produce some kind of result, right? And I think that as a young kid coming up, I don't know if you could put an age on it, but there's a certain point when you want that to start happening. 
there's also a certain point when you want play to be creative and, you know, explorative and learn about their bodies and just to have fun moving and, you know, enjoying the outdoors and, you know, just being creative. And, uh, Matt, that's something, um, that I've learned a lot from you just, you know, over, uh, that's a big thing within the MoveNet community and, and your personal fitness philosophy is, is play. And I think, you know, like young kids need to play at the gym at Force Fitness. We've came up with a game called Trash Ball. It's awesome because, you know, we've got, you know, adults that are not athletes. Well, you know, not technically athletes. They don't compete in these sports. They're just uh, there for fitness playing this game with, you know, young kids. And look for a YouTube video coming up if you follow the uh, Force Fitness YouTube channel. We've got a video coming out. We're going to break down Trash Ball. But go ahead and uh, tell me your thoughts on that, Matt. Well, uh, I was just going to say, I think that it's great that you're uh, playing games and cleaning up the environment at the same time, because I'm assuming that's what Trash Ball is. <laughs> it actually has nothing to do with trash. That's just, that's just the name, and it, uh, it stuck. So, Is it Trash Talking Ball, then? Uh, there's a little trash talking, okay. yeah. A lot, of, uh, a lot of dunks and a lot of, uh, a lot of showboating. So. It, it's, it's kind of got an element of handball in it. It is, So yeah. if you can imagine handball, it's... it's relatively similar. You there can imagine some, handball, some basketball, and ultimate frisbee all put together. Bam. Played with a soft dodgeball. Then you got trash ball. And a giant red plastic bin. Yes. Okay. It's I like on occasion I go on occasion I uh you know go back and I, I watch the, the kids for a little bit, you know, just make sure that they're you know they're all like not killing each other. And uh those guys are whipping it. I'll tell you what, yeah. they're working hard. Yeah. Like I, I wanted to jump in a couple of times just to kind of see, you know, you know, see if I can keep up with them. My goodness. Well, it's a blast. And think about this. So think back to your uh, days as a kid or maybe if your parents, if you, your experience with kids, what's the funnest way to play is when you make up rules and you're just like, okay, well, you know, I, I can't think of a good example, but you make up rules and you just go at it. We used to do uh, one where we have marbles and we had a rug that had different layers to it. And we'd be like, okay. You have to get it to this layer of the rug, but not to the next layer and, like, the different rungs. And, yeah, Rod, to your point earlier, we just did a podcast actually on play a couple a couple times ago. Um, play is just so essential. And I think that that is the key point that you're making. What is training? What does training look like? And it probably looks different for different kids Absolutely. at different ages. And um, different personalities. And, and different stages of their development, which may not be age-based. Yeah, Absolutely. So the ability to regularly invent and play new games, I think, is critical, both for the, the problem-solving aspect, the social aspects, and, uh, and the developmental aspects physically. So, yeah, I think it's awesome. Yeah, and I'm just using this game we play at the gym as an example because I have athletes of all different ages coming in and, uh, you know, playing this little game, and they love it. It's fun, right? So we got a community building. You know, everyone's athletes are enjoying each other, enjoying each other's company. But the biggest thing that I take from that game and why this is important for younger athletes, it allows them to be creative. Like, not as in, like, making up rules, but be creative with their bodies. One of the coolest things I see is when I see athletes of different sports and how they use their bodies. Like, basketball players play trash ball different than soccer players, play different than baseball players. And it's, just, it's really fascinating to see just the different strategies that the athletes are using and how they move and use their bodies in space. It's really cool. I think we can even say that uh, interest sport. So, like professional hockey players that used to be soccer players growing up play differently than professional hockey players that used yes. to be skiers that used to do these different sports. They move their bodies differently and they see the game a little bit differently, which is pretty cool too. And that goes right into a, a big point that I wanted to make today is as a younger athlete. So let's say, you know, six to five to six to, to 10, I don't want to put a number on it, 
you know, you kind of know when the kids are young and they're not really, uh, you know, developed, they are developing. I think it's so important to have them play everything that they want to, right. And encourage them, you know, um, I think that the more sports you can play at a young age, the better because early specialization, I'm not a fan of it. Um, for every Tiger Woods, there's a hundred kids that are burnt out and injured by the time they're, you know, 15, 16, you know? So you just said early specialization. Can you just define what that is really quick? Yeah, sure. Um, so like early specialization would be the, um, you know, the, the prodigies, the kid, you know, the kids that start playing a sport or any skill, really. It doesn't even have to be sport, but we're talking about, you know, sports today. But when you start at a really young age and that's all you do, that is your life. And, you know, that's what you wake up to do. You know, you're not playing multiple sports and balancing other hobbies and interests you're you're just sticking to that sport yeah. or training method per se yeah so my kid's going to be an nba point guard so, so he's going to play yeah. basketball exactly. all the time so question for you rod i'm i don't have kids but you know when i do that have, you know of jake that, yeah. <laughs> i knew that was all right coming. all right that that I know was coming. we caught you we caught you <laughs> But, you know, I do plan to, to live vicariously through my children. So, so. <laughs> and we see, we, I do see that a lot, unfortunately. But. So what's the best way to get them started in, in say, martial arts? Uh, martial arts, that's, that's a good question. I was never really uh, into martial arts. Um, I know that's a, that's a hobby of yours, something you enjoy and that you enjoyed as a, as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I would say just getting that martial arts is awesome because similar to um, – you have to be creative with your body. You mm-hmm. have to use your body weight and learn skills and discipline too. I mean, there's a lot more to the martial arts than just fighting, you know, mm-hmm. as you know, if you know anything about martial arts, you know that. Well, uh, and to add to that, I have two, two thoughts, Jake. One <laughs> is, um, as soon as they turn the age of five, I would, at midnight, I would drive them out to the middle of Brooklyn <laughs> and I would drop them off. And I would say, if you get home, you get to eat dinner tomorrow. You've been reading the uh, that like how to train smarter. your kid book that's in the news, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like that. So something like well, um, number <laughs> two, and this out. is kind of each discipline more or less is going to have specific requirements for the body, and uh, and those are things that especially when they're they're in a developmental stage may be beneficial or negative long term. A lot of specialization what we're talking about with sports and the problem with specialization is not only mental. But the physical adaptations that are going to happen from repetitive use of certain motions and movements, I actually think that martial arts tends to be a very um, wide array of movement patterns. You're on the ground, you're standing, uh, using all limbs, coordination, grappling, rolling. Blocking, reactive, resisting rotation. There's there's so much in there that if if they're like if you were going to pick two sports for your kid to just be a total BA. Uh, I think like gymnastics and martial arts and you'd be there. I was going to say gymnastics. Absolutely. I'm also going to say basketball because I'm a little biased, but (laughs) Southern Indiana, we love our basketball, (laughs) but you kind of, yeah, you had a great point there. It's, it's not about just mental, you know, burnout and you know, like this kid's going to hate his life, but it's also about like from a, from a just pure, you know, physical standpoint, if a think a baseball player, for example, that's the that's the fastest movement in sports is throwing a baseball. You know, like I'd say it happens so quick and it's really stressful on the shoulder and the elbow. And so if you start a kid out when he's young and he's just going crazy, he's playing every day, more is better. 
you're not going to be good unless you're out in the yard every night throwing, you know, till the sun comes down. And then, you know, the kid's going to, that takes a toll, you know, and his body's going to adapt around that. But that is such a romantic idea. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> it is. I mean, you know, but uh, like it's important for kids to play everything that they want to, you know, like if I think it's so cool, like kids nowadays, football is really the only, you know, it gets a bad rap because of all the concussion stuff in the news. But that's at the high school level. That's the only sport that has a true off season nowadays. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's travel soccer, there's AAU basketball, there's travel softball, travel baseball, baseball showcases in the off season, fall ball. I mean, it's it's year round. And, you know, the guys uh, I train a, a young hockey player, he goes when the, I guess, the uh, rink in Bloomington here where we are, Bloomington, Indiana, shuts down. They have to drive an hour and a half, to, like three times a week to go play hockey in, uh, I think it's in Columbus. So, I mean, it's like, you know, it's a, it's a year-round deal, but I don't know if it has to be. I would rather see a kid play multiple sports, learn to use his body as an athlete and not just as a baseball player, as a pitcher or you know, like that's going to benefit when he gets to a certain age, then yeah, there's a certain time when you dial it in and that's, that's what you do. That's when you, that's when you, you become a pitcher. You're not an athlete, you're a pitcher, you are an athlete, but. And I think that's, that's an issue that happens with parents that, cause I know I've had parents talk to me before yeah. that their travel team coach told them that if they don't have little Johnny or little Susie in this league year round, that they're not going to get playing time and they're not going to make it. And that's the message coming from the coaches it is, who have yeah. zero understanding of physiology or development. And that's, yeah, it's that's a business. Sad. It is. It is a business. And it is, um, I mean, when you get to the higher levels of uh, AAU basketball, for example, I mean, that's true. I mean, it's, I, it would be highly unlikely for a kid that never played AAU basketball, only played high school basketball, to get a lot of looks from colleges. I mean, it's, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's, that's highly likely. That's probably the case. Um, something cool that, uh, you know, I knew we were doing this podcast today. So I asked some of the guys, um, I hope they don't mind me dropping their name, but the, uh, the Zellers, uh, Luke Zeller trains at a uh, force fitness with us. Uh, he has a great company. Uh, they run, it's a uh, distinction is the name of his, uh, it's a nonprofit organization. They do all kinds of basketball camps and cheer camps, gymnastics camps, great organization. But I was talking to him about, you know, I was asking him, I said, so as a kid, what all sports did you play? Did you just play basketball? And when did you start just playing basketball? He said, man, he said, I ran cross country, I played basketball, and when I wasn't, he said, I wasn't into the whole, like, you know, all the, uh, the off-season basketball stuff. He's like, I was in the weight room trying to get stronger, trying to get better at, at basketball, you know, and uh, I asked him what his brothers played. So Cody and Tyler Zeller, both in the NBA, they played tennis, which surprised me because they're both seven foot. So that just goes to show you, you know, I, that's, I feel like taking a serve from one of those guys would have sucked. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, for sure. They're, they're, they're guys are seven mention, foot. Not to mention, they could have saved any anything, anything that yeah, came. Yeah, they could. They could probably beat me standing in place. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like the whole like problem with uh, specialization has it's really gotten worse as of recent. You know, like over the past say decade, it's gotten worse and worse um, compared to the way it used to be, which has caused the overuse injuries. We're seeing injuries that. You know, we're typically reserved for high-level athletes is ha- are happening at, at the youngest levels. Absolutely. Yeah, 12-year-olds having two Tommy John surgeries to fix, a, a, you know, a shoulder. And that's elbow. disgusting. I, yeah. Well, let's think about how the environment's changed. And, Rod, you can probably back me up on this. But not only has – I think in the Internet age, everyone finds their niche really quickly. Absolutely. And then sticks with it. That's kind of how society works. And then – but then even beyond that, 
where is the playground time? I mean, how many kids, how many parents feel safe coming home and saying, all right, just be home by supper. And then those yeah. kids are just out messing around, doing stuff, jumping off of stuff, rolling, fighting, crawling. I mean, just messing around. They it just doesn't do happen anymore. And, and I understand the safety issue. Like, I understand the concern. But uh, that is such a la- – we talk about this a lot, but the movement environment and the kind of the environment that you put yourself in is what's going to force the adaptation for your body, right? And sure. so if your movement environment is sitting at a desk at school – and going to basketball practice, that is a very limited range of movements. It is. Yeah, and it's, uh, it, it really, I know you guys said like the two Tom and John surgeries, but it, it's, it happens a lot more often than a lot of people are willing to admit. You know, it's, um, I, I personally uh, went from, I guess I was in middle school, I went from just kind of being a couch potato to uh, football, basketball, and archery all very repetitive uh, movements in the, the archery, especially you fall into this really uh, big lumbar extension. And uh, that's awesome I, though. I didn't know you, uh, knew yeah, archery. yeah I, uh, I actually went to state wow. for archery. Yeah. Um, but then I, I, I did get to compete at state because Nate's going to be starring in the next hunger games. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, uh, I, I just like to put that card out there only on occasion. Um, the Buddhist in Hunger Games. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder what that would look like. It'd be really interesting. You'd be fasting. It'd be boring. <laughs> fasting and shooting crows. Yeah, yeah. But I, uh, I ended up fracturing my uh, L five vertebrae in middle school. Oh man! And uh, you know that's that's actually the most common vertebrae to uh, to break. And uh, you know I was kind of talking with. I remember a conversation with the doctor. And, you know, like, yeah, how does this happen? You know, it's like we did a bone scan test and it's like I had stronger bones than normal. And, um, you know, it's just it was it didn't really make sense to me. And, you know, he said, well, you know, what were you doing when, you know, you weren't on the field? What were you doing when you, you know, when you weren't on the archery lanes and training and you know all that? And it's like, well, you know, I was sitting and doing homework and playing video games. And, you know, it's like, well. And then he said, well, there's your problem. You know, you Absolutely. didn't you didn't build a, a real big base to your pyramid if you're looking at a pyramid as a skill, uh, you know, skill base. Um, so it was this inverted pyramid and it just came tumbling down. Yeah. Rod, do you want to go over the the FMS performance pyramid? Because it's legit. Yeah, that's actually uh, I wanted to talk about that today. It's in my notes. Um, so functional movement screen is a it's it's probably the most useful tool I've came across in my coaching career working with athletes you know it's uh if you're not familiar go to the website check out they have a ton of free material it's awesome uh, it's uh functionalmovement.com uh, check that out today it'd be very useful but so the, they they have a concept uh gray cook has a concept called the performance pyramid right and then so if you can imagine in your head uh a big box so a pyramid three boxes you know the bottom box being the biggest middle box being medium top box being the smallest so the bottom box is the movement box, right? That's, that's what holds everything together, and that's movement quality. How competent are you using your body in different ways? And, you know, the movement screen will, you know, it'll quantify that. It'll tell you, you know, how good are you, how, what's restricted, how well do you move, not how strong or how fast or how good are you. It's how well can you do these basic patterns. If, if an athlete or a kid doesn't have that movement quality, 
he's probably going to get hurt and he's probably not going to be successful. Not always true. You'd be surprised some of the high-level athletes that I've worked with have terrible FMS scores, but they're also usually the ones that have been often injured too, so not a coincidence. So you take the, the movements, the bottom block, stack the next block on top, that's going to be the uh, power slash strength block. And that's going to be like, that is how fast are you? How strong are you? Uh, how, how can you just produce force? You know, how, how fast can you produce force? Um, so that's, that's the middle block. The top block is going to be the skill block. That's your sport. That's your, that's how good can you, how accurate are you throwing a football? How well can you run your routes? Um, can you hit your jump shots, your free throws? That's the skill of your sport or whatever activity we're talking about, you know? That's where we, we see a lot of problems is when that movement block is too small in an athlete. We would call it an overpowered athlete. So imagine that pyramid. If we shrunk the bottom block where it, it was the smallest, then you have this big strength power block. We see a lot of that with football guys. The, the parents want them training all the time. So that's, that's when, when that pyramid's not balanced, that's when we run into problems. Kind of like a top. Jenga. Yeah. Like Jenga, yeah. Like a Jenga mm-hmm. when you take the bottom one out of Jenga. Stuff's not, uh, things don't go well. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys can tell this, but we are all really passionate about this because we care about these kids so much. And, absolutely. Um, and it, it rips my heart out when I see a kid who comes in and, you know, the young female athletes like the ACL tear epidemic oh, so, and all this other stuff. And it's so just, many of them. it's just improper preparation. Yeah. Um, and People just don't have the knowledge, so we can get a little fired up. But uh, you know, we're not, and we're not calling out. We're not even trying to call out coach. Well, maybe we are calling out coaches, but you know, we're not calling out parents. Uh, yeah, we know parents want to do the best for the kid, and that's what they're trying to do. But uh, we just want to make sure you guys have some tools to really understand what you're getting your child into and how you can best support them to be successful. Um, and on that note. So you're talking about the movement base. Yeah, so the movement base, that's that has to be there. If a kid can't how, how move... How do we train the movement base? Um, just there's several ways. I mean, you know, if a kid came to us, we would take him through the screen. You know, I would take him through the functional movement screen. That would be our starting point. See where his weak links are, where his deficiencies are. You know, if you think about it like a... Compare it to a, if you were deficient in like a vitamin, like a vitamin D, you know, that's where we would start, getting that back to baseline. Um, but also, I mean, the kids that play multiple sports usually have better FMS scores and they're usually, you know, a little more mobile, move a little better, control their bodies a little better. Do you um, think if we just put them in, in new and in interesting situations, like whenever they're playing something like trash ball, are we improving their movement? I, absolutely. I think so. I think so. So it's going back to play. Yeah. That's not always the answer, um, in our setting mm-hmm. because, you know, just where our business model set up, I can't. That's just kind of trash ball happens maybe once or twice a week for an hour. Um, but, you know, that's that is a, that's a good point. I think, you know, playing and using your body in different ways that you're not used to, that you're not adapted to is important. Mm-hmm. And, again, it depends on the age. So, for me, um, this is the one part of the, the kind of athlete side that I get to work with is the six- to nine-year-olds. Yeah. And we do run summer camps for them. You do a them. great job with them. And that entire curriculum is based around kind of a move net setting. So what does that mean? It means I look at the whole range of human movement skills from, and it's going to sound silly, but walking, like walking in different positions, running, crawling, climbing, jumping, throwing and catching different objects, different sizes. 
um, take all those, divide them into different skills that we can practice, and then challenge them. So we might start off with a crawling drill, and the kids will be like, oh, my gosh, this is so easy. I can crawl. I can do this crawl. I'll be like, okay. Now do that crawl while you're also stepping over hurdles. And they're like, oh, my gosh. Okay, no. And then a couple of them will get it, and then they'll all get it, and they'll be like, oh, my God, this is so easy, Matt. I'll be like, okay, <laughs> now do that while you're on a balance beam and I'm throwing dodgeballs at you. You know, awesome. and set the scene, man. It, and every time I say, every time I just say, I'm going to challenge you. I don't know if you guys will be able to do this. And it just fires them up and you see them learn. And it's one of the really cool ones to see is like hurdle jumps. Yeah. And you'll see a kid come up and just question himself like five or six times and like maybe clip it, not get his knees up high enough. And I'm not doing a lot of coaching. All I'm doing is creating the environment for them to explore these movements in a safe way. And the seventh time they come up and they just nail it and then they have it the rest of the time. And the the look of confidence they gain from that small experience is so rewarding. Um, So for younger kids, it's not doing necessarily weight training. It's, It's exposing them to different sports and getting them into those fundamental human movement patterns, crawling, climbing, jumping, rocking, rolling, whatever you can do to make that happen. Um, and then why don't we take them through that next age group now Sure. when they come into, and they're like 10 to 12. Yeah. Maybe so we'll say like, you know, you know, late elementary school, middle school age, kind of in that pre puberty stage, right? That's, that's when the kids, I think that's when the AAU thing kind of, when the off season year round thing kind of picks up, you know, unfortunately. And that's when a lot of injuries happen. Kids' bodies are changing. Their their bones are growing. Their their brains still developing like crazy. But then, you know, you're asking all these different demands of them. And, you know, one thing that uh one quote I heard from uh Mike Robertson, I'm not sure if he came up with this quote, but I heard this uh, a while back, it's really stuck with me, is you know, the more you specialize, the more you lose your ability to adapt. Right. And that's not always a bad thing. When we have our high level, uh, you know, high level athletes like a kid that was with us, he's now a thrower at Old Miss. He needed really specific training. Otherwise, he wouldn't adapt. He wouldn't see um, progress in training. We go back to this age group. They need a very wide spectrum, you know, because it's almost like I'm fighting everything they are doing in their sport because they are usually playing year round. If they're coming to us, parents often come to us as like a you know, this is something extra that's going to give my kid an edge when really, and, and it is, but it's not in the way they think, you know, like if a, a lot of parents envision their kids will be in here, you know, their pitchers, for example, I keep using this, but they're going to be in here doing tons of medicine ball work and, you know, throwing, you know, doing that weird band exercise where you act like you're throwing, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah, so no, then that's not the case. That's how all. I tore my rotator cuff. No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> but, but seriously. Uh, yeah, but it's so, you know, more is not always better. And I think with, with kids of that age group, that's really important. So what would a sample day look like for them? Oh, sample day. So that's when we, we would use, uh, especially a kid that's, uh, you know, not very developed, um, hasn't really hit that uh, growth spurt yet. Uh, we would use kind of a mixed training approach, what we would call it, you know, using strength training starts to come come into play, but it's not like how much weight can you lift. It's how well can you control your body. Lots of body weight stuff, lots of crawling, lots of push-ups, um, chin-ups, pull-ups, hanging. Um, nothing that's going to overstress the athlete, but it's still going to challenge them and, you know, force them to, to bring it. Cause I think that's just as important at that age as becoming physically more muscular and stronger, which they will, but, uh, just learning how to bring it, learning their limits, you know, like, uh, how hard can you push yourself? Cause a lot of times kids don't know some adults don't know too, but 
you know, kids that age really aren't comfortable in their own skin yet. And it's kind of a, you know, a confidence thing just as much as a physical strength thing mm-hmm. I've found. So a typical day would be, uh, you know, some Olympic lifts, um, the skill, you know, we'd be using a bar with, with no weight or training plates. So, but I think it's, you see so many, Will Fleming's going to love this when he hears it, mm-hmm. but, uh, you see, uh, so much coordination and just athleticism just kind of come from, from thin air. When you show a kid how to take a bar from his, from his thigh or from his uh, above knee position and clean it up over his shoulders and watch him figure out that process. I thought about that when you were talking about the hurdle jump, I see the same, the same light, you know, kind of light switch click when I see a kid hit a perfect clean, well, even if it was just the bar, you know, that's, that's not important. Just learning that coordination in the Olympic lifts, medicine ball work, throwing, uh, not like a, you know, throwing it like a, like a baseball, but, um, you know, we use the big Dynamax, the big softballs. We throw them against the wall and slam them, you know, learn to produce some power. Um, and, and then again, it goes back to their FMS screen. If a kid in the screen can't, can't do the uh, deep squat test, I'm not going to have him put a bar on his back and squat. You know, that just wouldn't make sense. But my kid needs to get strong, dude. I know. He needs to get faster. That's, that's one of the big things. And, that, and that, that's a whole different skill set, maybe even a different conversation, is that communication with parents. And, you know, and I don't lie to them. I would never lie to them. But I'll, if they say, oh, we need speed training. Got to get my kid faster doesn't need to get stronger. And then I see the kid and he can barely, uh, you know, he can barely squat down to a box and stand up with his own body weight. And I'm like, well, you know, I'll say, okay, we'll get him faster. You got to hit the lowest common denominator first. Exactly. Yeah. If a kid can't produce force into the ground, he's not going to be able to fat. It doesn't matter how fast his feet are. He'll be running like, uh, like uh, Fred Flintstone, you know, just like, you know, he can, he can have the fastest feet in the world, but if the kid can't put any force into the ground, can't use his core, he's not strong, then, you know, what good is it? Yeah, that's, that's a big thing, communicating with parents. And, you know, I don't want to say telling them what they want to hear, but it kind of is. You know, you got to speak their language, you know, kind of not say, hey, actually, no, we're not going to get your kid faster. We're not going to do speed training. You say, okay, yeah, we'll get them faster. You just trust the program and good things will happen, you know. Yeah, yep. so they are getting faster. It's just not in the same method that that parent thinks. Exactly. That's why they're hiring you. Exactly. And kind of on that same note, you know, if I'm – you know, if I'm a parent and I'm, uh, you know, and I'm kind of looking for, for training and, you know, looking for someone to uh, help my kid get that edge, how do I find a coach or someone who uh, kind of understands this philosophy of this big movement quality base? How do I go about that? Um, on um, functionalmovement.com, they have a directory. And I, I don't really know how, how inclusive that is. I think I'm on it. I'm on it. Are we on it? I think think we're all on it, actually. Oh, well, sweet. So, uh, yeah, looking there is a good place to start. Uh, You might check around. Um, I'll tell you one thing. If you go, it is important to find a good strength coach for a parent, I I believe, absolutely. But it has to be a good one. Uh, If you go to a strength coach or to a facility or to someone who wants to, is like a super trainer, is going to guarantees to make your kid jump higher and run faster and all this stuff, but then he brings your kid in and he doesn't go through an assessment process whatsoever. Even if it's not the FMS, FMS is kind of the A team. If you know, if you're not doing the uh, functional movement screen, you're kind of on the B team to me. I hope I don't offend anyone, but, um, except for Mike Robertson, you, he does. You can offend crazy. people. It's okay. Yep. Robertson, those guys, they have the best assessment system out there, but, uh, yeah, but if the guys just, if he just throws your kid into a workout, then you need to run. Don't pay that man any money. Find someone who knows human bodies, knows development, that's educated, not just puts kids through hard workouts and expects good stuff to happen because that's not how it works. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I, th- I think it's in the questioning. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you need a couple of questions, like the Rod just gave you one. Uh, come in, ask about assessments. What yes. kind of assessments will you do for my kid? Uh, next, talk about what their training cycle is and say, hey, how are you going to adjust his program based on in-season and out-of-season? Yep. That's another one. Then an, uh, a third one you could go for is this is where I want my kid to go. How are you planning on getting there? And make them be specific and detailed because if they know what they're talking about, they're going to love talking about this stuff. We Absolutely. could geek out on it. this stuff all the time. And if they're like, well, you know, we just we lift heavy and we do this and you know, I'm going to do lots of plyometrics and all this stuff, like that's still not specific enough. Yeah. I want to know specifically what you're going to do. And you as a parent should feel free to come into those sessions and observe and ask questions because you are trusting your child with someone else. And that is a very huge commitment. And uh, if it's a, if they're a good coach, they'll understand the value of that commitment and, and what you're doing, um, the trust they're putting in you. And, uh, yeah, so there just should be completely open lines of communication there. And I think that should go the same for uh, sport coaches, should go for high school strength coaches, or if your kid's in a weightlifting class. Like, there should be that communication, you know, and it shouldn't be like a constant badgering from the parent to the coach, but it should be a line of communication. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? Like, how is he doing? How's my he or she doing, you know? Yeah, and if the coach is has is ballsy enough to tell you that they don't know something that's not necessarily a bad thing absolutely so we're not we're not looking for know-it-alls who will just spout off random information if they sound like they're speaking another language and they're not making it approachable for you that's another reason to run away well put fired up okay so uh we, we <laughs> I'm coming back. I didn't know. Were you coming in on here, Nate? Nate and I are sharing a microphone right now. Um, Lots of body. So you're getting a workout. Did you have Did you have curry for Not lunch again? Can <laughs> I smell it? Um, yeah, lots of pot roast. Mm. A lot of times it's good whenever that, that coach can identify that, hey, maybe I don't know. You know, Maybe he is a, an outstanding basketball coach but has no idea how to coach somebody in the weight room. That's, 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 that's what happened at BNL uh, with yeah. – Probably not the name draft, but with the team that I, uh, you know, I'm, I manage their whole training program year round. Mm-hmm. They was these guys are two of the best coaches I've ever met in basketball. Super smart guys, but they were just like, you know, like we're gonna outsource this because we want the best for for our athletes. And exactly, you surround yourself with the the greatest uh, you know options that you have. So hey, if if I know I'm really good at coaching a sport, well, let me get somebody else who's really good at coaching you know training. Yeah, and and have them, uh, you know, help out. You can't be an expert in everything. Yeah, and I Absolutely. think understanding that and and kind of owning that, um, and you know, maybe being a little bit of an expert like those uh, basketball coaches, they were enough of an expert to recognize an expert. Yes, recognize which your is, knowledge gaps too. Yeah, you know? and that's that's another whole skill we can talk about. Um. So let's kind of continue the the age progression and sure. kind of the developmental progression. We kind of worked with young athletes now. So let's let's talk about high school athletes. Let's talk about high school. What kind of training? Because this it's a big thing now. Weightlifting, it is. Uh, training at school. Um, what kind of stuff should they be doing? And 
if someone's kid is already lifting multiple days a week in a high school program, how as a parent should you approach or manage that? Well, first thing, if you are going to a, you know, you're speaking like a, from a, from our point of view, what we do, but if it's, I, I don't know how to word it without offending anyone, but a lot of high school strength conditioning programs, when you, when you go to weightlifting class, if you enroll in your weightlifting class, that makes sense, right? To the parent, to the kid, they're like, okay, I need to get stronger. So why not weightlift at school? If a kid moves really well, this kind of goes back to my point earlier. Kid's got a really good FMS score. He moves really well. That means he's going to be efficient. You know, he's going to be able to handle a lot of stress by like physical stress, lifting weights. He's going to move well. He's going to have probably good technique without a lot of coaching. And he's going to have success. He or she's going to have success. But what about the kid who is stiff, locked up, doesn't move well? You know, uh, you know, and there's not a, I don't know many high schools in their weightlifting class that have any kind of screening or assessment process. They're just like, well, we're going to, we're going to put these kids in the, uh, in the weight room, put them on the squat rack and see what happens. What's your max? Yeah, exactly. And that becomes the culture in the weight room because usually it's just the, the coach sitting behind a desk or the teacher sitting behind a desk while the kids are just, you know, he writes the lift on the whiteboard that day, three lifts, like squat, bench, clean, and then the kids just go to work and, you know, he may give them a little instruction and hope for the best, you know, and then I, then I have kids that come to me as, you know, like I'm kind of torn because the kid's like, Hey, my back is killing me. You know, I did something at school and I just haven't felt good since, you know, I'm not a medical professional, but you know, I'm like, man, like, I don't want to tell this kid, Hey, don't lift weights. I don't want to send him mixed messages. Hey, don't listen to your coach. But so it, it's really on the coaches and it's on the parents to, you know, take a, you know, be active in their kids, what they're doing at school, what they're doing at high school. On the other side of the coin, um, it seems to be that, that kind of thing is like more is better is really common with the male athletes, uh, football players, they're lifting. Like I have some kids that would lift three times a day and then come to us like, and be like, Hey, you think I could just chill out today? I'm like, yeah, man, absolutely. Chill out for a day or two. Let your body recover. You know, uh, that's one thing. Stress is stress. It's, it all goes into the same bucket. You know, they're going to trigger different, different stresses, whether it be lifting weights or, kid just broke up with his girlfriend or he's, he's not getting new, the proper nutrition at the school lunch. That's a whole different podcast, but, um, you know, that stuff all goes into the same bucket. And if he's not getting enough sleep, they, they're going to trigger different responses for your body, but they're also going to trigger a lot of the same responses and it's cumulative. You know, if that bucket's full, what's, are you recovering? Are you taking time off? You know, it's not like you can just keep filling this bucket and the bucket keeps getting bigger. You got to kind of let the, uh, let the contents of the bucket settle before you can add more in, you know? I think that's a good. That's something that a lot of kids miss out on. So, um, it sounds to me kind of you know, when you're in high school, we still, it's still too early to specialize. Yes or no? Depends. Depends on the level of the athlete. Um, okay. And I, I think it depends on what they have on the line. So they so they're going to maybe start specializing, but we need to monitor and make sure that the specialization does not result in a degradation of their movement base sure is that basically i i agree with that and are they are they hurt a lot you know are they hurt a lot and are they so is a kid good enough at a sport you have to be honest as, as strength coaches and that's that's a touchy subject you know is a kid like training his butt off all the time but then he's just not that good at that back to that pyramid he just doesn't have that skill base you know that's uh does he need to be in the weight room nine days a week if He's not that, you know, like, yeah, and it's, that, that's tricky. And, but it's, it's really good to, you want them to see success, but 
you have to dial it in a little bit, you know. And we, we would also say probably in high school, though, that is an appropriate time to start really working on that conditioning power, yeah, oh, absolutely. power absolutely. strength, and conditioning block. Yeah, that's when the testosterone levels is going to be the highest in males and females. That's important for both. So don't... Uh, it's not just males. We're not yeah. talking just about male athletes. The female athletes, is, it's just as important. So uh, kids need to take advantage of that. That's also, you know, when they're going to be very uh, adaptable and they're going to really catch on to things quickly. And you're not, uh, you know, hopefully their tissues are still really pliable and their muscles are, are still flexible. Their joints are, everything's good. Not a lot of wear and tear, not a lot of miles on the car, you know. So basically what you're telling me is you train them like any other human being. No, absolutely not. Um, it needs to be individualized. Uh, the programs really need to. And there's a constant like, uh, you know, back and forth with, uh, you know, are, do you train the athlete for the, for his position, for a sport, or do you train him for his needs? You know, and that's, uh, that's tricky and that's something you have to balance as a coach. I think you need the right balance of both. I guess uh, I actually, what I meant by that was that every other human being, we need to look at the movement base and then oh, the sure, performance sure. base and then the skill base. Well, we absolutely. all, we all need to have movement quality and uh, even, even an athlete, you know, the specialization happens, but it needs to happen at the appropriate time yes. in the appropriate setting with supervision to make sure that we don't lose those other factors. Yes. Yeah, right. And, and I'm not saying that a kid should not specialize because, like you said, there is a time and place for it, and it has to happen if a kid's going to go on to higher levels of sport past high school. It has to happen. You have to hone in your skills. You have to really dial it in and have that, uh, you know, have create that myelination of your uh, your synapses and make things like concrete. You know, that I mean, mm-hmm. it is it is a necessity, but I think too often it happens too early and at too young of an age, and the desired results don't work. You know, for, like I said, for every Tiger Woods, there's, you know, a million other, you know, kids that don't make it, hate their parents, you know. <laughs> yeah. So um, kind of let's kind of close up here because I know we're coming up on the end of our time. Uh, we probably need to get you back on again. Yeah, I would love to. to happen. I would love to. Yeah, this was a, this was a good time. But um, for parents, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be worried about getting your kid into a, a sport early. Encourage play. Encourage creativity. And uh, training is a good thing, but it's it's a tool and should be used it appropriately. It it's is not just more more is better or doing it is good enough. It needs to be specific. It does. And I, I've got a couple things. I just if we're gonna dial this in, and like if you want to just ta- a few takeaways that I hope as parents and coaches you could uh, take from this talk is you know things you should do for your kid, or if you are having kids, plan on having kids, whatever. You should, you know, find a good strength coach for them. That's that's important, you know, like we touched on earlier. Um, someone, and not only uh, just for the strength benefits, but for a, as a mentor and someone to learn from and to trust and that you know that's going to give them good information and, and teach and turn the weight room into a learning environment like a classroom. You know, that's that's my big thing. I want to make it always, if kids aren't learning with me, then I'm not doing my job. You know, I, I can get kids bigger and faster and stronger, but what about when they when they're not in our facility. I want to teach them lifelong skills and habits. Um, take nutrition seriously. That's another talk for another time, but it is important. You know, you can't ignore it. Make sure your kids are getting enough sleep. That's also important and make them do, no, I shouldn't say make them do, have them do participate in all kinds of sports and activities, you know, like different, you know, variability in movement is important and keeping your kids healthy and, and, and longevity, durability.
Awesome, Rod. Thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you, Rod. Hey, it's I my really enjoyed it. Thanks and, for having uh, me. I think that's it for us, guys. We are out. Let us know how the podcast sound. Actually, let's go around. We have anything going on we want to hit really quick? Up. Well, just uh, heading to St. Louis for Thanksgiving, and uh, hopefully the the weather will let me get out of the woods a little bit, do some hiking, and you know, uh, this season is my first season hunting, so we'll see if I if I get Dude, anything. Dude, I want to go with I you. I want That's, some jerky. Um, I want to I want to take down a deer. Yeah. Not 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 for the pleasure of taking it down. I want the meat. Yeah, I know, and that'd be awesome. Um, I would just say uh, if you want to. If you're in the Bloomington area, you want to come check out Force Fitness or meet with Rod, uh, highly recommend you do. Uh, you can find more of our stuff at freefitguy.com or on iTunes. You can search the Human Animal Podcast and find more stuff there. And I think that's it. Jay Frosty. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, happy holidays to everyone. Listening. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.